best opportunity. This is Men in Progress. I'm your host, Bobby Dennis, and I'm a prevention educator with Access. Our mission is to address the roots and impact of violence in our community. My role at Access focuses on engaging men in the movement to end sexual assault and domestic violence. Each week, we'll be joined by a guest from the community who will bring us into their story. We'll hear about what has shaped them as a man, struggles they have faced, and successes they have found, and what it means to be a man for themselves. We will also spend some time answering questions that young men in the community may want to know around life decisions, shared experiences, and what it means to be a man. Yeah, welcome back with us today, listener. And um, today in the studio, we actually have a friend of mine, Alex Crum, who works at Grandview. And um, I'm sitting here now realizing the missed opportunity. Um, I should have just had you bring your guitar. And we oh, just, yeah. Yeah, we could have just done live music for, for an hour and then talked about your music, um, which is what we do sometimes on this show. Really? Man, we could have heard your, like, emo acoustic music. I could have done some, yeah. So, um, now everybody knows you're a musician now, and everybody knows that you're, mm-hmm. you were slightly emo. Because he's I, not emo anymore. At one point in time. Little known fact about me, actually, I was a goth kid in eighth grade. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So, for all <laughs> you goth kids, we, we have someone so, that you can you relate go. to. Um, yeah, so beyond, beyond a musician, <laughs> beyond a musician, do you want to let the listener know just, uh, who are you and, and what do you do and sure. how do you spend your time? Sure. Yeah. Um, like Bobby said, my name's Alex and I, um, people always want to know your work, I guess, first. And so, um, I work at Grandview University down in Des Moines on the east side. Um, the director of student ministries there. Uh, so I work in the campus ministry department. I've been there for four years now. Um, it is a wild ride. Um, I love it. I love working in academia. Love working with college students. Um, I think that that's just a it's a really cool time of life uh, for people when they're discovering who they are and they're discovering their calling and their vocation. And so, I just love working uh, at a college. And then um, with that, I also um, on the side am a uh, leadership coach. Uh, so I work one on one with leaders. Um, to coach them uh, to become better leaders. Yeah, and you're like a, a master of something, aren't you? Master. Oh, yes, I do. I carry. A, I have a master's of science in organizational leadership. Yeah. Some sometimes with with people I know, I forget that they have like masters in this <laughs> and doctors in that. And right. I, they're like doctor or so and so. Yeah. Or Michael Goebel was on here. He's a professor at ISU. Okay. I kept calling him the whole time, Mike, 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 and he's. The end. He's like, yeah, like it's a, like Dr. Goble. He didn't actually. He didn't actually say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. are you okay being called Alex? Yeah, yeah please call don't you... call me Master. The entire time. <laughs> I have to call you Master. <laughs> yeah, you know, folks, we talked about this when I got my master's. A bunch of us were graduating, and we realized, you know, every, everyone gets called Doctor So and So, but you know, nobody ever gets called uh, Master. And then anybody with a bachelor certainly doesn't ever get called <laughs> Bachelor. So, yeah. Maybe we need to wear our big fancy robes around everywhere with our weird looking hats. Yeah. I think that I'm, if I ever get my master's or win, hopefully, um, I'm going to insist on being called master <laughs> everywhere I <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> I would be like, you're, you're devaluing the work I put in by not uh-huh. calling me master. <laughs> uh-huh. People might take you more seriously if you wear the big funny robe with it too. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm always looking for reasons to, for people to take me more seriously. So yeah, there you go. That'll be good. <laughs> All right. So outside of uh, Grandview and a leadership coach, what mm-hmm. else does life look like for you? Sure. Um, I'm uh, married. I've uh, been married for um, ooh, seven years. And uh, that's been great. Uh, my wife, uh, li- we, my wife and I live here in Ames. Um, we've lived here for, oh man, five years. Before that, we were in Story City, so just up the road. Um, and uh, we have two cats, Desmond and Darby, uh, coolest cats you've ever met. Um, but uh, outside of uh, work and and hobbies and stuff, our um, volunteer at my church um, here in town, uh, do music stuff there and and uh, provide a little bit of leadership in that way and love that. Okay. So it's a far cry from my days of being an emo singer-songwriter in college, <laughs> but um, it's it's still fun. It's still good. Yeah, still a little bit of the fix there. Yeah, a little bit of the fix there, yeah. We'll, we'll get the emo singer-songwriter back, though. Okay. It'll come back. There's it, It's a little niche market acoustic emo, but... Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thinking... Just thinking about what you... Um, kind of, yeah, what your life looks like. I was really interested in, um, you said you're the director of student ministries. Like, what does sure. that, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so I work on the campus ministry staff. So there's a couple of us. And, and if you don't know, Grandview University is affiliated with the Lutheran Church. So um, we have campus ministry on campus. It's a part of the university. Um, and our job is to support the exploration of faith life on campus. I mean, just like you know, the English department is responsible for the exploration of the English language and literature mm-hmm. and poetry um, in a less academic and, and more kind of um, life experience kind of way. Uh, we create avenues for people to explore faith and, and figure out um, who they are, what they believe, what they believe to be true about the universe, how that informs, you know, their perspectives on life and things like that. So it's, it can be some, you know, some deep stuff from time to time. Um, my job specifically, I work with um, 16-ish uh, student leaders um, every year, and I they run a lot of the individual ministries on campus. Um, and so then I coach them, disciple them, support them, um, care for them, and equip them with the, the knowledge, skills, ability, and, and courage sometimes to uh, do ministry on campus with their peers, which um, for many of them is a growing Mm-hmm. Real heavy growing opportunity. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. So you, you talk about some of the the programming aspects of that. Was was beers and him your idea? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, my first year that I worked there, I wanted to see if they'd hold on to me. Uh, and so I I came to a, I was there a couple months, and I said, Hey, I had this great idea. Why don't we uh, roll a keg of beer into the basement of the church and we'll bring a band in and we'll just have a big sing-along in the basement of the church. And I was like, I was all like prepped with like arguments for how I could, you know, make, get this across, you know, yeah. had different ways I was going to approach this to sell it. And everybody just kind of looked at me and they looked at each other and they said, cool. How about April? <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, uh, all the preparation for not, but yeah, no, we, so we get together, um, we've been doing them, oh my gosh, we've had so many of them now, probably eight of them, I think we have one every semester since then, and and we uh, get, oh, 
I think the biggest you've ever had is maybe 115 people of students and staff and faculty and church members and people from the neighborhood and alumni who all, you know, even regardless of like faith background or faith tradition, people are just like enamored by this idea, Yeah, you know, and, and our culture doesn't do sing-alongs well. Like, that's not a thing we do. Like, we are not, you know, the average Irish pub in mm-hmm. America, right? And so um, people are just enamored by this. And so we just do a big sing-along in the basement for an hour and a half. And, yeah. oh, boy, is it fun. And I think sometimes this idea of, of uh, church and beer doesn't always go together for some people oh, yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I get at least one angry email every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a... Actually, Bethesda Lutheran here in town sure. for uh, for Mardi Gras did a thing with Torrent Brewing. Oh, okay. Where they just hosted a, a Mardi yeah. Gras thing at Torrent, and there were a few people that were like, I don't know about this. Like, right. But it's really interesting. Which, Fat Tuesday, which is Mardi Gras, is because the next day is a religious holiday. Yeah. Like, come on. But yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah, people have a have a hard time reconciling that. But actually, I think it's a cool space for conversation, right? Whenever you're uncomfortable with something, there's there's space to explore that and to grow from the uncomfortableness that you feel in that, you know? And so I like to think that sometimes when people encounter uncomfortable moments of faith in life, we create an environment in which they can um, explore that and be supported in the process and come out on the other side of it with a deeper understanding of who they are and what they believe. Yeah, yeah, and I think that... Like in in all conversations, they they become more meaningful just by asking questions and yeah. being being open minded rather than just saying shut down. Like no, that can never ever happen. Right, right. So right. speaking of more questions, yeah. Um, you uh, you were talking Good about <laughs> you were talking about uh, <clears throat> when you were talking about working with college students. You said that that's a really excited time, exciting time, and that you get like really excited by the opportunity to kind of build up those students. So, so why is that when you think about working with college students? I mean, they just flew the nest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, Grandview is a unique place. Um, excuse me. Grandview is at a unique place because we serve a lot of uh, first-generation college students, which means that they are the first person in their family uh, or the first generation in their family to go to college. And so many of them don't have necessarily um, – a support team of people in their family who have all kinds of experience and knowledge about what college is like. They have supportive families, you know, which is awesome. Um, but there, a lot of students are coming to Grandview kind of as the pioneer in their family for what higher education looks like. And mm-hmm. so it's cool to help them navigate that, help, help them navigate a new arena. Um, a lot of them take it really seriously uh, because they're the, the first one in their family. But just in general, I mean, I've made jokes before, you know, like college is the new middle school and things like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like you're getting freedom for the first time in your life and you're experiencing all this stuff and and uh, you're learning all kinds of new things. And school just got real hard real fast, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, and so it's, it's cool to help students figure that out. Um, I, I think what I love seeing now that I've been there for, you know, four years is seeing students who come in um, as freshmen. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're all very deer in the headlights, kind of, you know, that. Um, and then they leave as seniors, um, just like equipped and, and ready to jump out into the world and, and make a difference for good, you know. And I just think it's so cool to see the, the transformation from kind of, you know, that greenhorned, you know, mm-hmm. and that young buck kind of thing to 
to somebody who's really excited to make the world a better place. Yeah. That's really cool. And so, um, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I was also a first gen college student. Oh, cool. So first, first in my family and I, I can definitely relate to that whole, like, yeah, like I, my family's supportive, mm-hmm. but they don't know what I'm doing either. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, you know, and, uh, so when it comes to, to being able to support those first gen students, like what are, what are some ways that you found have been really helpful in supporting those students or what, what kind of support do you feel like they're needing? Um, you know, at first I thought they needed, uh, you know, more of us as staff to be like their friend and, and be their, their, you know, cheerleader along the way. But um, what I'm actually finding is more and more true is they just, they need healthy community with their peers, that that just becomes the most crucial thing. And so, it, you know, a lot of what we focus on in campus ministry is for folks who want to engage faith and for whom faith matters is to create um, environments in which people can find real genuine community and then what we found is that a lot of the individual struggles that first gen college students have just kind of gets naturally sorted out you know the way that Mm -hmm. good healthy community works you know yeah yeah so for you personally like why do you feel like community is important Oh geez, everything like lives and breathes, and I'm in my mind. I'm a very community. <laughs> person. I'm a very relational person, right? But like everything just lives and breathes and and dies on community. Um, that that is just that is defining to who we are as people. I don't think that um, humans are meant to be solitary creatures. I think that we are best when we are in community, when we're in relationship with one another. I think that we make up for each other's. Um, weaknesses. I think that we build up and encourage each other's strengths. I think that we uh, there's synergy and enhancement that happens when we're together. I think that um, we can handle so much more of what life throws at us um, when we have you know other people alongside us to support us um, in that. And I think that we can rejoice better mm-hmm. when we're with each other, right? Like. I can have a little happy dance in my office when something goes awesome, but it's so much better to to walk up to a coworker and tell them what happened and go grab a cup of coffee and just like celebrate a big win at work or something. So, yeah, I just yeah, I live and breathe community. I think it's so crucial to everything. Ask me another question. The answer will be community. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask like uh, in that position specifically as director of student ministries, yeah. but besides beer and hymns like can you can you share like one win time for you yeah we make community now. <laughs> <laughs> when i see community grow <laughs> yeah yeah this we had this crazy idea eh, it's not crazy um it was crazy for us because we'd never done it um this last year we were just kind of looking around and everything was so programmed mm-hmm. you know there was this event and this event and you go to the events and you do the stuff at the events or whatever and we were just like man we just want to like have dinner with people. And so we started these things once a month where we all get together. So our my office is in the old parsonage on campus, mm-hmm. which is like the old um, the old house that the pastor used to have. It's from like 1910 or something. It's this decrepit old giant brick <laughs> house. And anyway, it has a kitchen in it and it has a big living room. And so we started doing this thing where I was like, man, I just want to see what happens if a bunch of people get together and make a meal and like block out time in their night in the middle of a busy, busy school week to just be together, right? Let's not Mm -hmm. worry about what we do. Let's just worry about who we are, right? And so we get together once a month and we make dinner and there's, you know, there's like a little time for like um, somebody shares a message or something, but like 
we get together for dinner and we sometimes we'll do service projects for the community. We're in a real high need part of Des Moines. So mm-hmm. we'll do some service projects for our neighborhood or we'll play some games together, you know, just like play cards or whatever. And like that seems so simple and that seems like such a no-brainer thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the impact has just been incredible. You know, I've talked to students that that the reason that they stayed in college was because they knew that like once a month there was a real genuine community they could go be a part of. Yeah. Um, because I think that's just so missing from our society sometimes. We spend so much time doing, we forget how to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I just think about, I think about that doing and there, oh, yeah. you know, it it does seem like a novel idea. Hey, let's sit and do nothing. Like, <laughs> and it's weird that that seems like a novel idea. Right. Um, but especially on a college campus. Yeah. Um, what do you think the power of of just being able to to be mm. in community rather than do something is? Yeah, um, I'm gonna throw some coaching at you. Um, <laughs> so there's a, a thing that we say in coaching sometimes, and and somebody told this isn't me. This was told to me a year ago, and it just like ruined me in the best way when I was told this. <laughs> but um, that our doing flows out of our being, right? We're not mm. human doings; we're human beings, right? And our, and the things that we do flow out of who we are. And until we understand who we are, what we do, at best, will be good on accident. And at worst, will be the exact opposite of what our lives are meant to be. And so I just think there's such power in learning how to exist. Yeah. And and worrying about the the actions and the doing and stuff later. It'll flow out of that. If you're confident in who you are, you don't need to worry about the things you do. Because mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, just, it'll just come. Yeah. And it's funny because I think that we talk a lot about in in popular culture right now where i mean even the show is talking about identity mm-hmm. but you know we talk about it a lot but how often do we spend time like looking at and fleshing out right. for ourselves like who am i yeah i mean <laughs> i did this at the beginning right you said who are you and i was like i work at grandview you know <laughs> it's like no that's what i do you know like yeah it's part of my identity right but but i didn't jump to who i am you know i didn't want to be like i'm an adventurer <laughs> or something <laughs> A community obsessed adventurer. <laughs> your your ideal day is is hiking with twenty people. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> While playing emo acoustic music. Right, like if I could hike with twenty people into the woods, have a picnic, and and have a guitar jam, like that would be like that would be up there. Yeah. You know, the the more this show goes on, the listener because they can't see you is just imagining you, and I think at this point they see you as as just having dreads and I'm sm- smelling like patchouli. <laughs> Yeah. Drinking IPAs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really cool. And um, I'm interested. You, you said you were going to throw some coaching out at us. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm interested as we come back to talk a little bit more about coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, you had mentioned that, that you're now a leadership coach mm-hmm. and have just graduated with a master's in that kind of leadership development. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to go to a song by someone you know. Oh, okay. He was a friend on the floor He threw the blade Into the shower He 
Let him go. 
happen next Didn't know Yeah, so that was a, a local artist, um, Cable the Man, who we actually had on this show in One Blue String back in April, but also is a um, person that both of us know pretty yeah. well, Caleb. Yeah. So, and Stank Audio. Yeah, you've known him a while, you know, when he was like a baby. No, 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 no. I met him. Oh, n- not literally a baby. I mean, like 17. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I've known him a while, not that long. <laughs> it's good. If you didn't pick up the sarcasm, the the people listening the people definitely listening, did. Though. Can I just say, so I, I like his music. I think I actually I love the guitar track on that. Um, but uh, so his his artist name is Cable the Man, right? And his, his name is Caleb. I think he was probably going by Cable the Man for six months before I realized it was an anagram. That Cable, cable oh, and Caleb. Okay. Like, <laughs> you just now figured this out? No, no, no. I, I was like, for a second I looked at the man and I'm like, that's not even close to canon. <laughs> right. But at that point in time, like six months, I mean, I guess he's going to know now, but like six months on, I was like, do I tell him I just figured it out? <laughs> So I didn't. So Caleb, now you know. I just <laughs> it took me six months to figure out it was an anagram, and it's brilliant, and I like it. Yeah. Him and his fiance are are trying to figure out their like wedding hashtags, which to me is like the funnest thing in the world. I mm-hmm. love I love doing wedding hashtags. Um, like uh, one of my friends. Uh, well, you may know her too. Um, her first name I just forgot out of nowhere. I just went to her wedding, Millie Freeman. Uh, and she just got married, and I said, "Oh, your wedding hashtag is just no longer a Freeman." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when when Sarah and I got married, right? Okay, so this doesn't seven years doesn't seem like super long ago, right? Which, yeah, and and yet um, Pinterest didn't exist, <laughs> and like wedding hashtags were barely a thing like that was not yeah. like a, and if it was it was always just like hashtag sarah and alex like it wasn't <laughs> they weren't creative so we didn't have a wedding hashtag could you come up with a wedding hashtag for I'm, me I'm in retrospect right. i'm thinking about it right now sarah and alex crumb her maiden name's indra if that helps <laughs> you can uh, work with that <laughs> i don't know i think i think crumb is like you can talk about cakes. And, there, yeah, there's lots of cake yeah. jokes. There, yeah, there's yeah. plenty of cake things there. I think there's potential. Okay. Because, like, so. I've gotten, like, l- tons of wicked good nicknames in my life from Crumb, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure you got a wedding hashtag. Okay. But, man, the simpler world of the 2011. <laughs> Pinterest didn't exist. I can't even tell you. And it came out, like, two months after our, our wedding. Like, we got married, and then two months later, Pinterest dropped on the internet. And I just remember looking at it and going... I'm just so glad that didn't exist. Because <laughs> we had to come up with our own ideas. It was yeah. a good bonding experience. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's good advice. That's good marriage advice. Like, don't look at Pinterest. <laughs> don't look at Pinterest. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You could bring that into coaching, which probably not. I don't know if coaching... Do you talk about... So, actually, let's talk about coaching. Okay, let's talk about Before coaching. I'm like, do you talk about this in coaching? We need to know what coaching is. Yeah. Um, so, if you were to just explain to the listener what um, what coaching is and, like, what you do as a leadership coach, um, which is, I mean, newer for you in the last years. Yeah. 
year or so. Yep. Um, so, so what is that being a leadership coach? Being a leadership coach, I, um, I mean, the tagline that I have on my website is I help leaders who do good to lead well. Um, cause kind of mm-hmm. my heartbeat behind leadership coaching is that, um, there are lots of people out there that could benefit from a leadership coach or a life coach. And, and I, I want them to get one if they would benefit from mm-hmm. it, you know, it's just like any other professional. Right. And so if it's beneficial to them, I want them to have one, but, um, where I find my passion is in people who are positively impacting their community. See, there it is again. <laughs> There's I'm doing it is again. There's got a tally going. <laughs> um, uh, people that are positively impacting their community um, in a leadership capacity that I want to uh, do what I can to help them to lead better um, so that their impact on society can be better. And part of the reason I got into that, and I will explain coaching eventually, I promise. Part mm-hmm. of the reason I got into that is um, I just, you know, if you look at historic institutions in the United States, like if you look at... Um, you know, uh, universities and colleges and, and even like hospitals and, um, they all have these people's names attached to them, Mm -hmm. right? Or they have the names of like churches attached to them or something. And, and it's because that there were people with bold visions to make their community better, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have to imagine that many of them didn't even see necessarily the fruit of all the work that went into it. You know, I think of like, mm-hmm. okay, so I work at a college that started as a, a Danish two-year folk school like 130 years ago or something. And I'm really sorry that I don't remember the date because um, it's on the building across the street from my office. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's old. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just had to think like, you know, they had no idea the thousands of people that would go through it and the way that it would impact lives and, and change the community. And we churn out like 50 or 60 like top-notch nurses every year that go mm-hmm. out into the community and are literally, literally saving lives. You know, and I just think that that comes from leaders with a vision for their community that just genuinely want to make the world a better place. You know, and a lot of people say mm-hmm. they want to make the world a better place, but when you're willing to found a school or start a hospital or whatever, like you're putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so my passion is is helping those those people to be better leaders. And one of the ways that I do that, one of those one of the expressions of that value of mine is through coaching. Yeah. Yeah, because I think everybody—that's the—that's the dream. Make the world a better place. Right. I, w- I want to make an impact, and yeah. then your your dream is to help people make an impact. Right. I just live vicariously through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't all coaches? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Sorry, sorry, coaches. <laughs> it's not entirely wrong. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I offended like. Half our listenership. I don't know why I assume. Did you? I don't know why I assume half our listenership half our is coaches. Just coaches. <laughs> yeah, just, just straight coaches. Yeah, <laughs> just. Man, um, I really would have approached this differently if I'd known that half your <laughs> listenership was coaches. Um, yeah. So you're really you're really helping people hone in like a, a vision um, mm-hmm. for that. And so when it comes to coaching, what's what's that process even like? Because um, yeah. I think it's a new thing that um, I know I don't know much about, and I imagine our mm-hmm. listeners don't. Like when we think coaches, we think of like Hitch. Um, have you seen that movie? Oh, Hitch? Uh, no, but I know what it's about. And, yeah. And you're, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> He's the dating coach, isn't yeah. he? Yep. Yeah. And I think that, I just assume all coaches are dating coaches. No. 
We also don't stand on the sidelines and yell at you while you're like leading a meeting or something, which is the other an- analogy that I get as like sports coaches. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's neither one of those. It's so neither one of those. What is it? <laughs> I don't like take a halftime in the middle of a board meeting to like pull you aside and scream at you in the locker room. <laughs> Go get him sport. <laughs> Um, what is coaching? Coaching is helping um, a client um, to, uh, in really short short words, it's it's to um, be a be the better leader that they already are, you know, to some degree. But it's um, when I work with clients, they figure out, you know, what are the areas of um, unrealized potential, or what are the areas of gap, you know, where like they have a vision for the future, but they don't know how to get there. Or what are the areas of tension in their lives where they're leading something? Um, I'm working with um, a person right now who just had an enormous amount of leadership just dropped on their shoulders Hmm. six six weeks ago. Like they went from being uh, just a normal, you know, worker person with, you know, responsibilities for their job, but like not responsible for like the organization, you know, somebody else mm-hmm. got to take that charge. And now they, they have had basically the whole weight of the organization just dropped on their shoulders. And it's like, if they don't, if they don't perform, then the place could close down, mm. you know? And it's like, it's intense. It is intense. Right. And I and I believe in what they're doing, which is why that I'm, which is why I want to help them because they're making their community there it is a better place. And and so, uh, co- uh, coaches work with clients. Clients establish like what it is they want to work on. They want to they want to communicate with their people better. They want to empower their people better. They want to figure out a vision for where their organization is going in three years, five years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they just want a, a language to understand matters of leadership and interpersonal dynamics. And so they figure that out. And then I come along and I uh, manage the process of helping them realize that. Because I think that one of the things um, that we as people tend to do is we tend to just like spin circles in our head, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I am a stick in the bike spokes. Um, of of their thought process, and so they come and they they're they're wrestling with this leadership issue, whether it's a problematic uh, person that they lead, or it's a problematic situation, or it's a it's a lack of vision or direction mm-hmm. or identity or anything. And I help them to see it from all kinds of different angles, and I cheerlead them from the sidelines, and I help them to um, figure out how to authentically lead as themselves. You know, and so one of the things I tell people is it's never prescriptive. Like, I don't tell you how to be you. I mm-hmm. help you figure out who you are and know it better. Yeah. It's that being and doing thing, right? You know, so I very rarely, I mean, I have a, I do have a master's in, in leadership. And sometimes people do ask me directly to give them, you know, some ideas of things to do from, from leadership theory. And I'm happy to share it. But really what it's about is helping people um, discover who they are as a leader and then, you know, we trust that the the doing of leading will flow out of that. Yeah, yeah. Because a leader, yeah. When I think about the leaders that have had the biggest impact on my life, um, I mean, one of them, example being uh, our our executive director right now. And I was I was really excited when our new executive director came in mm-hmm. um, because I've known her a while, and I know um, what authenticity looks like for her, and I know mm-hmm. that if she is being herself as a leader 
Like I'm super excited about that. Yeah. And when I think about the best leaders I've had, it comes from that authenticity. They're not trying to lead in somebody else's way. Mm-hmm. They're just leading in their own way and having confidence in that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is just trying to figure out like helping people figure out like this is your leadership style yeah. and you don't need to fit all of these other things. And if you're being asked to fit all these other things, maybe you're not in the right place. Yeah. I think, you know, when we're, when we're young at anything, and I don't mean young in terms of age, I just mean young at fresh, new at something. We have a tendency to emulate, you know, great uh, exemplars of what we want to be someday. And I think that that's an awesome starting point. But what I've discovered with leadership and what I know to be true about leadership is that if you stay in that place of imitation, um, you'll be dissatisfied and you'll never reach your fullest potential. And so I, 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 right now I'm working with a couple of people who are um, new to heavy amounts of leadership in their life and, and they are making that transition from um, mimicking great leaders, which is a good starting point. And if that's where you are, like that's a great mm-hmm. starting point. But they're making that transition from mimicking great leaders to saying, no, this is who I am. This is what I believe to be true. This is my vision for us. This is how I lead because this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I think that that's liberating. That gives confidence that takes away a lot of the, like this, the negative self-talk of like, oh, I'll never be as good as so-and-so. And like in a really bold way, my answer is you're right. Cause they're going to be way better at being them than you ever will be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when somebody says, you know, I'm never going to be as good as Bobby. My answer is you're correct. Bobby will be the best Bobby that Bobby can be. And, yeah. and no one else is going to do that, but the world doesn't need a second Bobby. The world needs you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Man, you're so inspirational. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to, uh, sorry, the listeners have to sometimes just bear with moments and, and yeah. things that they can't see, but just funny faces. They just understand. Things, yeah. yeah. Um, so when it comes to, you know, and I think about the ways that what you're talking about really interacts with the show, we talk so much about identity in yeah. this show and talking so much about, um, really kind of what it means to be a man and, mm-hmm. and healthy masculinity and, and healthy identity and, and what that ultimately comes down to is just having a confidence in who you are and being able to like exert yourself and say like no this is who I am and so when it comes to that process of, of figuring out your own identity whether that be your leadership identity or your interpersonal identity um, what are some tips that you have for, like what do you suggest hmm. in that well I'll start by saying that if I had an answer that could be summed up into a radio show <laughs> I would have already written a book about it, and I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> what about 10 minutes? <laughs> um, you know, one of the things... Uh, stepping outside of your comfort zone, I think, is a, is a huge thing to discovering who you are. Um, and I think it... It goes with the pulling away from the mimicking and becoming the authentic self, I think, is stepping out of your comfort zone and experiencing things. Um, And one of the things I I often tell clients is that, and this isn't always true, but I don't necessarily look at things as successes and failures. I just look at them as data, Mm -hmm. right? So if I step outside of my comfort zone, okay, so here you go. When uh, When I turned 18, 
um, I wanted to do something with my newfound power and liberty that comes with being an 18-year-old. And so I went out and I bought a cigar and I stood out in the woods and I smoked a cigar and then I cut down a tree. And that was incredible. <laughs> um, and I don't think they see me as a guy with dreads anymore. No, uh, definitely not. <laughs> I always made that joke too. It's uh, good. Yeah. And, and then I went and I signed up to go skydiving. Uh, and I went skydiving. And this is a time in my life as 18. I was like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I'm, you know, whatever. And having a hard time wrestling with a lot of identity stuff and so i was like so i was just trying things right so i went tried lumberjacking didn't work got the beard but you know never really stuck with it um and and then i and then i tried skydiving and i spent two years jumping out of airplanes on the weekends um i didn't know that that's awesome yeah i spent two years jumping out of airplanes on the weekends and here's let me just tell you something I never got very good at it. Now, I always landed on the ground, <laughs> and I'm clearly not dead. So to a certain extent, I accomplished the very baseline goal of skydiving, which yeah. is not dying. But, like, like you look at those, like, the posters or, like, you look at the videos of people skydiving, and they're, like, doing these tricks and, like, linking up and connecting with each other. And I look at that stuff, and, like, in my head, I spent so much time skydiving. Like, I know exactly how that works. And I never did it once in, like, two years. <laughs> I just wasn't good at it, you know, and um, but I don't consider that a failure in my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got done and I sold all my stuff and um, and moved on and haven't skydived since. And I, you know, every time there's a really beautiful day with some nice clouds, I think about it. But like, um, I don't see that as failure mm-hmm. that I didn't master skydiving. I don't see it as failure that I spent a bunch of money and a bunch of my time doing that because I learned things about myself along the way. It's data. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is go out and try stuff and don't look at, at don't try what you think you can be successful at mm-hmm. or don't shy away from things you think you might fail at. Just try something. And then what did you learn from it? And not just what did you learn about whether you can do or not do that thing. That's the doing. Get away from that. Yeah. Learn Like, what does that mean about my being? I learned that I'm an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> I really like the reason I skydived for two years is because, boy, is that a lot of fun to jump out of an airplane, you know? Yeah. And I learned that I appreciate nature's beauty. Um, we used to go skydiving uh, every Saturday at 5.30 in the morning in the summer. I'm not a morning person, but there's nothing more beautiful than watching the sunrise from two miles in the air with nothing around you. Yeah, I can't imagine that. It's, it's gorgeous. It's also like 10 seconds long, but like it's, <laughs> it's a gorgeous 10 seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's a gorgeous 10 seconds a lot of people won't experience. Right, right. So that's that's my first thing about identity is... is um, Rather than looking at failure and successes is looking at data and seeing ways that you can discover who you are through the things that you do. Yeah. And I think some of that, I, I think people have a hard time pushing back expectations mm-hmm. put on them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like de- other people defining that as a success or failure. So when it comes to, to that, like how do, you, how do you encourage people to kind of push back against that? Mm. Um. I had somebody share with me a a mantra once um, that they kind of like they run in their head from time to time. And it was, you are a very special unicorn <laughs> and no one understands you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheesy. Okay, fine. And it also can go off the rails because if you think you're so special from the whole rest of the world, sometimes you can become completely like, you know, disconnected from the world in some really unhealthy ways. But their heart behind it in the moment um, was uh, just recognizing that 
no one gets to make the call for how you understand your heart hmm. other than you, right? Yeah. People can provide input. You know, I, I'm a coach. Like, I help people get input for a living, you know? Mm-hmm. And But they get the final say. You always mm-hmm. get the final say in your life. And I think that you just have to train yourself to when people give you input, you take it in as data and you say, you know what? They don't think I'm good at this. Or they don't think I'm worthy or they don't think I'm qualified. And I'm going to keep that in its box where it belongs as data. But ultimately, I get to make the call in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes a long way as far as just understanding your, being able to have a little bit of security in your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, and I, I, I'm just really grateful that you were you're here today and able to share a little bit about, mm-hmm. um, you know, one what excites you about, uh, you know, working with students and mm-hmm. working on campus, but also coaching and what that means. And and we heard the word community a lot, yeah. um, which is a really good thing. I'm I'm also about community and, yeah. um, which is why we're broadcasting through community radio. Yeah, so, awesome. Um, so thank you so much for being here. If, if people wanted to get more information on coaching, where would you send them? Yeah, uh, my website is alexcrumcoaching.com, um, and crumb is spelled K-R-U-M-M, so alexcrumcoaching.com. And there's a there's a way you can email at me on there. So, I mean, you can check it out, you can read about it, or you can email me just to get in contact with me. I mean, even if you don't want to be coached, even if you just want to connect and talk, like, I love that. That's community, right? So, yeah. So feel free to get a hold of me there. Yeah. No, Alex, Alex likes community. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> I was just thinking about how you met uh, Gabe through. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> can I show Facebook? you that? Yeah, you can. Okay. We're going to bring Gabe so, on at some point. You're going to so. bring Gabe on at some point? Okay, cool. So <laughs> I, I'm still a guitarist, um, and I have a, um, a manageable addiction to guitar gear. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... And uh, so I'm constantly searching Craigslist for just, like, weird stuff. You know, like, where's the weird thing that I can buy? And there was this guy on Craigslist was selling an Altoids tin. <laughs> and this, it was just an Altoids tin with a guitar jack on the side of it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll bite. And so I, uh, you know, I asked him for information or whatever, and it turns out that it's this thing that, like, you set on the ground and you, you stomp on it, and it has, like, a little trigger in it or whatever, and yeah. it makes this, like, thud sound, and it's for doing folk music stuff. Okay. Like, when you don't have a wooden floor to stomp on, you hook this thing up to, like, a crappy bass amp, and you just kind of stomp on it, and it kind of gets to the effect. Anyway, so I was like, yeah, I'm so interested in that, and so I... Uh, I messaged him and I and, and said, let's, you know, hey, let's meet up. I'd like to buy this from you. And, and so we met in the fairway parking lot. Um, and which, by the way, if you are ever purchasing something off Craigslist, this is your friendly reminder from a frequent Craigslist user. Just meet at the police station. Like, just <laughs> just be safe. You're making Gabe sound sketchier and sketchier. <laughs> just be a safe person mm-hmm. and meet at the police station. They're not going to be mad at you for doing a Craigslist deal in front of their police station so anyway there's that but uh so i met gabe and um gabe got gabe and i got to talking you know and i was like what's the story on this they told me the story and then i was like you know where do you play guitar we started comparing guitar gear notes and like showing pictures and like okay if you meet people who are obsessive guitar players they will show you pictures of their gear the same way that parents (laughs) show pictures of their children (laughs) you know and so like we're showing gear to each other and and 
Uh, and then we were just like, you know, like we really connected, right? And we also had each other's phone numbers now because it's Craigslist. And so he ended up like at my house a week later, like jamming in the basement. And then like we went out for a beer once, you know, and it was just like, and we've stayed in contact and, and started to build a community. And the cool thing for me is, you know, I, I serve as a musician at a church and he also serves as a musician at a church. Mm -hmm. So above and beyond just like meeting somebody I get along with, like we're we're start where you know where the that's the groundwork to when the the church starts to draw together, which I think is kind of a cool thing when churches can get along with each other because it's not always the case. So, yeah. Anyway, that's the Craigslist Gabe story. That's really cool. And he'll be on at some point, I guess. Yeah. Craig, yeah. Craigslist Craigslist Gabe is also my guitar teacher. So. <laughs> oh, um, oh, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, I think that we'll bring him on at at a certain point to talk to you a little bit more about. Um, he's just very artistic and very creative and. Um, and a way better guitarist than I am. Just so, just, just we'll, so we'll, clear. we'll actually let him play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've actually been playing this whole time. That's how bad I am. No, just... <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here, Alex. And, yeah, of course. And listener, thank you so much for being with us another week. And we'll um, catch you again next Friday at 5 o'clock.